Hello, friends, and welcome back for another Eastern Target Archery podcast as we get ready to head into the 4th of July holiday here in the United States. Today is July 1st as we record. Steve is uh, unavailable, but uh, we do have a special guest coming up in just a few moments. Today is an important day. Uh, July 1st is the day that World Archery is once again recognizing national events registered in its calendar for the purposes of World Records and Performance Awards, the very first step in getting the world back into archery competition. And of course, uh, you still have to deal with what's happening in each individual country. Now, some countries are having a better situation than others, but uh, WA is now encouraging national federations to resume competition when it is deemed to do so safely uh, in their local regions. And of course, following the many health regulations that are now part of day-to-day life. The international calendar, therefore, is still on hiatus, but we are expecting some news in that area. So uh, our next podcast, we are expecting to bring you an update on what's happening with the international calendar. There's a few last-minute things that are being decided just as we speak, and by next week, we should have a clear picture. Over the last few months, as you know, World Archery's uh, event staff has worked on a lot of different options to try to hold a scheduled, uh, a shortened schedule, shall we call it, of tournaments uh, starting in the fall. So now this uh, milestone of the 1st of January, pardon me, the 1st of July, starts a two-week consultation phase. This is where they're going to be talking to national federations, to athletes, to coaches, and other officials. And they will then decide whether it's really viable to have any international level events on the world archery stage this year. There will be a final decision, not later, and two weeks from now, on the 15th of July. And that means that uh, regardless of the outcome of this, the dates of the World Cup for next year will be announced on July 20th. So a lot of things going on at, uh, at WA this week as that consultation process started. Without a doubt, one of the people who's involved in that is a fellow who you may have heard of before. His name is Chris Wells. Chris works in Lausanne, Switzerland, in the World Archery Office. He's in charge of all world archery communication. And we took a few minutes to have a chat with him about what he's doing at WA and what he sees as the big picture as we continue to deal with life under COVID. And we've got Chris Wells as our special guest for today's Eastern Target Archery podcast. Chris is the media director of World Archery. Tell me if I got that title correct, Chris. Head of Communications. Ah, there we go. Head of Communications. And uh, you've been with WA for quite a while. I've been working with you for years now. Yeah, I started at World Archery six years ago, or just over six years ago. Uh, since that time, my job's changed a bit, but I've been responsible for the social media, the website output, and, and now some of the television and video that you see on YouTube and on television in some parts of the world as well. There's a lot to do in your position. There's a lot of coordination. There's a lot of stuff to do with television. You've been busy with the lockdown knockout, the, the, the second successful lockdown knockout that just took place. We saw Crispin Duenas uh, crush the rest of the field. <laughs> and, um, you know, there, there's so many, so many hats you wear. Uh, video producer, you're doing that Brady Ellison documentary, uh, all sorts of things. Liaising with international media. Um, give us a little bit of an idea of, a, of the typical day of Chris Wells. Um, I'm quite lucky. I don't really have a typical day. Um, I've, I've got a finger in, in quite a few pies. Uh, I get to do some really cool projects. The, the Brady documentary is, 
it's something I've wanted to do for a very, very long time and take that kind of short form content we do at events on athletes and, and make it longer and really tell an in-depth story. And it, it's not something we've been able to do as a sport before, but I think it's something that will be really powerful for the sport. And obviously, we've started with Brady because he is who he is. He's got that, that amazing gravitas um, and that amazing, that amazing background and, and ability to talk. But there are so many stories in the sport that I think can be told. Uh, we're doing some with some of the history stuff. George, you you did a video with me about the history of the X10, which I thought was brilliant as competition history. And I and I I really like this 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 history aspect of of archery because it's it's so old. It's it's new as well, and there's there's many contrasts and many threads and many many tales to tell. Um, but in terms of other stuff, I do writing, I do talking to people, uh, we do the, the live content from the events as well. Um, it's really, really diverse. I'm very, very lucky to have the opportunity to, to do all this cool, cool stuff and travel to lots of places, but I'm also very late on a lot of things as well. Well, yeah, there's always, you know, it's with projects, you always have something going on and everything is a high priority at the time that it comes around. But, uh, you know, one of the things you also do is you update the website quite regularly with news articles. And, of course, you've got a coterie of people that help you with that, uh, you know, provide for content. And um, I'm just going to switch gears and talk about the latest, some of the latest developments content-wise. What the heck is going on in Korea? <laughs> um, they restarted their national selections and finished them off. So they stopped halfway through uh, in, in March. They were supposed to announce their national team, which was going to be the team that took them to the Olympics in April. And, and obviously when the, the pandemic uh, hit, they, they stopped everything. But they've been very proactive in getting started again. So actually, and, and this is uh, some, something we've not told anyone, I was talking to the guys in Korea a lot about getting um, some of them involved in the lockdown knockout because they were really, really keen to be involved when there was no competition going on. Um, and it just basically fell down uh, at the fact that the same week we planned to do the Rico version was the was the week they were gonna they were trying to plan their their selections and their first national tournament. And I know they've been very proactive in Korea trying to get this restarted and looking at the the health restrictions they'd have to follow and the measures they could put in place to make sure everyone was safe to, to get going again. Um, you know, a lot of these people in Korea, they're, they're professionals, but they're professionals in a kind of job, job, job basis, more of a job basis. You know, they go to work at nine o'clock in the morning and they leave at 5 p.m. In, in, in the evening as well. And they spend their day doing archery. And it, I think for them, you know, there's, there's, no other, there's no other path in life. That's what they're doing right now. And that's their role. So they were very keen to get their kind of business up and running again, go back to the office if the office for them is is tournaments, um, which are quite regular between the professional teams in Korea. So it was pretty cool, um, I think, to, 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 be, to be able to show that again. And they've obviously selected their team and the results were, were interesting. And the archers that we spoke to about the results were very, very glad that they've got back to competition. Although there is obviously a lot of uncertainty about what that team will actually be competing at. Yeah, because we we in, in WA have no idea really uh, when we're really going to be able to get back on the field of play for a major international. There's too many variables right now to really be able to say, I suppose. I know there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes uh, with the, the events department here at World Archery, talking to tournament organizers about uh, what can be done, potential tournament organizers. There's a lot of work going on about next year as well in the lead up to the Olympics. And, you know, there are some sports that have announced their calendar and, and announced upcoming events, but I think as an organization, we really feel like 
we need to be certain that what we're going to announce is, is viable and, and safe and positive uh, because there are some sports that have announced things and then cancelled them and postponed them. And we don't want to be in that kind of maelstrom of of confusion. We want yeah. to be able to be confident that we can move forward. Yeah. Uh, if you think about Dorna and MotoGP, for example, right earlier in the season, they're like, OK, we're going to have a race then. And then, oh, cancelled. And then, oh, we're going to have this race. Oh, canceled. And, you know, you end up with sort of this whipsaw effect, right? You start building up anticipation for something. Now they're saying what they're saying. And, and uh, we don't want WA necessarily to be in the same position as, as promising something and then not delivering it. Quite selfishly, it would uh, mean a lot of work for myself writing those announcements, cancelling them again. And, and it's not really what we try to create as an image for ourselves. We right. try to create an image of some an organization that is sensible that is that is thoughtful that is uh, you know caring about the people um, that that compete and and the, the the people that want to follow those people compete and and i think importantly from a communications perspective that's that's about thinking things through properly being clear and being um being confident in what you're saying uh, not just saying whatever's necessary on the day to try and try and make it through to the next day. So Chris, you interface with an awful lot of top shooters um, and, and have for a while. And I would like to get your impression of how those top people in our sport, we don't have to name anybody, but how are they dealing with this on a day-to-day -day basis? If you had an everyman, you know, if we took a typical day of an Ojin Hyuk or, you know, somehow rolled that together into all the say top 10 shooters, how would their typical day be? You, you alluded to that earlier when you talked about the office job nature of being in a Korean archery team, but uh, what's, the, what's the zeitgeist here? Well, this is one of the really, really cool things about doing the lockdown knockout. You know, it wasn't a, an organized tournament in the same vein that we, that we have normally every year. There wasn't judges, there wasn't structure, but it was really, really nice to see the archers enjoy it and uh, enjoy competing and get nervous and, you know, the stress effect how they were shooting. Um, and obviously, you, you guys won't have seen this on camera, but doing one of these live sessions doesn't mean just turning on and going. There was uh, two and a half hours of rehearsals and setup before each one and a review afterwards as well. And it's, um, it's during that time that yeah, I, I, I've been able to talk to a lot of archers and that's been really great, but to actually talk to them while they're in their own homes, setting up, chatting about life and, and, and how they're dealing with the situation, which is very different in every country and in every person's mind, um, restrictions, it, it's been really, really cool. Um, you know, Mike was really honest, uh, Mike Schlusser, when he said that he lost his motivation to shoot. And I think a lot of them have found that because tournaments kind of the milestones in your life, aren't they? Mm. When you're a competitive archer, you go from tournament to tournament. And what I really liked about Mike, particularly, is he's very honest. You know, I lost that motivation because I had no goal to go for. And the archers that will have dealt with this particular uh, period better, in my opinion, are the ones that will have uh, found a way to accept that and and, and found a way to to um, uh, to to re-emphasize what their goals are and what their aims are, which is not easy. No. But, you know, it's very, very much in line with uh, what a lot of people uh, in our sport, which is cyclic, right? I mean, we have the four-year Olympic cycle. We have the two-year World Championship cycle. And, uh, some of us in the past, uh, I'm holding my hand up a little bit here, you know, you measured your effort by Olympic cycles. And, you know, now that's been pushed off another year. And that's a big disruption for a lot of people, like Ojin Hyuk, like, you know, who we talked about earlier. The guy's got a shoulder injury, probably wants to retire, quite frankly. 
isn't retiring because, and he's got a wife and a kid now, you know, and, and you know, wants to get on with life, wants to get on with his show up every Friday and coach and get well paid for it, <laughs> you know, Korean team gig. But, <laughs> you know, you're looking at that as a, as a big disruption. It's, it's almost feeling like um, we want to pull out as much as we can from what otherwise would be a lost year. And, and uh, well, talking about Ojin Hyuk, I, I really like his resilience and his ability to to keep going. I yeah. think it's unparalleled in, in the sport. You know, he's been suffering with that soldier injury since 2014, 2015. Yeah. And it's all the time. And he has to have ice on it at competitions. And he has to rest it. And he doesn't shoot as much. He's, you know, he knows he's on the last legs of his career, but he's committed to trying. And he finished second in, in the selections in the Korean team. And people like uh, Lee Woo-suk and um, Lee Seung-yun, who have been fantastic over the past few years, they're not in the, the eight-man squad. But Ojin Hyuk, this old in the in the um, you know, the realms of Korean archery, is still there, still like you know driving arrows. No matter if he has to walk walk home on his, his walking stick afterwards. <laughs> I mean, it's not that, but in my mind, you know, the resilience is fantastic, and and I, and I think that's great. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing him compete again. And I miss, you know, talking to these guys who I respect a lot. I was an archer. I am an archer. I don't know what you say was, is. Um, and I respect the, the, them, them very, very much. And, and the, the competition spirit is, you know, fantastic. Yeah, I'm trying not to take umbrage when you and Steve Anderson refer to us older recurve shooters as dinosaurs, <laughs> but that's okay. I'll, I'll get past it. <laughs> Chris, where where do we go from here? What uh, what's next on the agenda from WA's point of view? Where where are we at, and where what's things looking like right now? I think um, well, for me personally, it's been about evaluating the the, the lockdown knockout because okay, we haven't had competitions, but we we were able to to, to showcase archery, and, and this was. It was online. There was people watching it. Not well, and you had national broadcasters carrying various elements of this thing. Yeah, absolutely. So we've had national broadcasters. We had a lot of news coverage. And, you know, I've had confirmation from some of our normal broadcasters that they're showing the highlights and all the matches because they haven't got much other live content still at this time. Um, so, you know, I'm evaluating how good that was for us and whether we filled the hole. Obviously, the, the big hole we haven't filled is competition for archers and competition for elite archers and, and that kind of on-field uh, atmosphere. You know, it was very weird watching some of those matches and there's silence in the background. It's, you know, quite jarring in a nice, in a way. Yeah, you almost want to pipe in audio or something, you know, pipe in the fake laugh track like the old TV shows, you know. <laughs> and, you know, like, I don't want to do more of those lockdown knockouts that are necessary. It was fun to do, but it's not, the, like, the future of archery yet, is it? You want to, you know, it's a sport where you want to be with the person you're competing against. You want to feel them. You want to feel the atmosphere. You yeah. want to... Uh, to measure them up. So. Did you see the CNN story on the subject, though? Did you see CNN? They, uh, I did. I did. The, the headline made it sound like this is the future. And I'm like, no! <laughs> this is but a stopgap. We, we absolutely learned a lot from it, though. We learned a lot about what we can see behind the scenes and, and what we need to do to make the broadcast better um, uh, in terms of presentation for our fans and, and how we can better serve uh, broadcasters, which will eventually better serve audiences and you know, hopefully grow the sport, which is the plan. Um, so we've learned a lot uh, about the technology and about the kind of dodgy new things we did, which was which was fun. Um, but obviously, the the most important thing now is that uh, the guys in the event department really look at what the possibilities are and come up with a with a plan for the future. Which I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm hoping that it's not too long before we can have uh, in a competition again. Is dodgy new thing a catchphrase for twelve rings? 
<laughs> Did you like it or not? I'm, I'm ambivalent. I think for the purpose of the lockdown, it was great, but I think I would hate to see it in competition in the future. Well, why is that? I think it is not in keeping with the principle of you performed well, but suddenly you got on a scooter and got across the line. You were, you were able to jump on this scooter as you approached the end of the marathon and get across the line because your timing on the jump was good. No, run faster. <laughs> so I know that's a bit flippant, but the reality is it's different and it's exciting. And I, I understood from a number of people, they found it to be delightful to see, but uh, certainly as the drama of the thing, but uh, I personally wouldn't want to see it, personally. So I, I like the strategy. I like the concept of strategy. And I think that's something that, well, I think I think it's pretty clear that that's missing from archery. You know, you hit the middle or you don't hit the middle. Um, and I, I find it, I, I thought it was really cool to talk about choice. Um, well, sure, first I, I would tend to agree. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, archery is a sport that should reward consistent accuracy. And I think that if somebody is two points down going into the last arrow, they were not as consistently accurate. And if they go for the lucky shot, well, maybe there should be a 220 volt thing attached to it if they don't get it. You know, some, some incentive, some disincentive, you know what I mean? Anyway, because they got nothing to lose, whereas the other person has worked hard to get to the point where they're two points up, right? You got nothing to I lose going for that last shot if you're two points down. Now you're you're just, not wrong. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, I, obviously, I, you know, different opinions is a good thing. I like. I don't. I don't know whether it would work in, in real competition, but well, maybe I we'll find out. Fun. Well, <laughs> there's no doubt you're right. It was certainly fun and certainly an element that people talk about, and I think that's part of what you were going for there. And that was not a criticism. It was just an observation. But anyway, drama. I, I like drama. Drama's good. But I think that our sport prov provides plenty of drama. You know, I've been to a few Olympic games, and I think every one of the finals was more or less dramatic on its own. But I think that that's an atmosphere element as well. So anyway, so Chris, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast today. I know you're a busy man, and uh, it's late afternoon there in Lausanne as we speak here in Salt Lake City. But uh, thank you and everybody there at WA. Give, us, give them our best regards. Thank you very much, George. So there goes Chris Wells from World Archery. What do you think? Do you think the 12 ring is a good idea? We'd like to hear from you. Post up on our Eastern Target Facebook page when we announce this podcast gets dropped. It'll be on Eastern Target Facebook. And uh, let us know your opinion. What do you think of the 12 ring? We'll look forward to talking to you again soon here on the Eastern Target Archery Podcast.